The following is a continuation in our series called Stories in the Shadows, looking at how we see Jesus in the Minor Prophets. We hope you enjoy. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this evening, Lord, as we conclude this series going through the Minor Prophets, Lord, I do pray that you would bless our time as we open up the book of Malachi and look at how we need to be fully devoted to you, Lord. So I pray that you would help us all do that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I bet all of you have different responsibilities at your house. Chores, things you have to do, things you're called to care for, maybe cleaning your room, mowing the grass, doing dishes, whatever the task is. You're actually supposed to do it, right? You don't just say you did something, but you're actually called to do the things that you set out to do. Cleaning your room by just shoving everything into your closet or under the bed, even though we've all done it, right? Is not really cleaning your room, right? If you go and mow the grass with a lawnmower that's leaking gas, and it just gets gas all over your lawn, is that really good for your lawn? No. It just makes your lawn flammable, right? Scrubbing the dishes with a brush but not actually using soap, doesn't actually make them clean. They may look clean, but it's not actually cleaning them. So we're actually called to do what we set out to do. We have responsibilities. We have things that we're to care for. But the point is we can be faithful to completing a task without actually being faithful while doing it. We can be faithful to doing a task, but not actually being faithful to carrying out the true purpose of that task. And that's exactly what we see here in the book of Malachi tonight. It's what we see with these people. They have set out to honor God, but they have gotten lazy. They have forgotten the true purpose of sacrifices and what they're for. And they're just giving up all these lame sacrifices, expecting God to accept them when they're not actually pleasing to Him. So tonight, I want us to see that God's desire is for His people to be fully devoted to Him in all that they do. God's desire is to see His people fully devoted to Him in all that they do. So let's read Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. The Oracle of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. So Malachi's name means my messenger or messenger of the Lord. So he comes bearing a message. Scholars agree that Malachi was probably a contemporary of Ezra and Nehemiah, the guys that brought people back from from bondage, back from exile. And we actually see that the implied existence of the temple here. So we know that things are going along pretty well. The temple's been rebuilt. We see that in chapter 1 and in chapter 3. So we know it was kind of around that time. Okay? And this is hugely important because they've made their way back. right? They're there. This is what they've been waiting for for a long time. And now they're there, and they're already getting a little bit lazy. So Malachi uh, prophesies uh, several decades after the first exiles. This is actually the second generation of exiles that have come back. Uh, and again, their attitude had gotten so, so lazy especially when it came to sacrifices. So there's a lot of discouragement going on here in this book. So the way that this book actually breaks down, if you look at the whole book of Malachi, is actually a series of Q's and A's with God. There's questions and then there's answers. And there's this back and forth. And it's almost a little bit of satire in there as well because God doesn't pull any punches with these answers. They think they're all right. They ask these questions like, aren't we doing well, God? And God's like, well, how do you say you do well? Here's how you don't, okay? So there's these back and forth questions, and we're going to read one of those here in just a minute. But the key to remember here with this book, and we saw this with Haggai, we saw this last week with Zechariah, is that these are God's remnants, his people, the people that he loves. 
This isn't wayward Israel that is committing these awful idolatries. These are the people that he had helped survive and actually remained faithful. They're just struggling a little bit. And instead of God chastising them, he's actually inviting them in and saying, please come back. Okay? Instead of crushing them with judgment, he's actually trying to entice them with his mercy. And we'll see that in chapter 3 when we get there. But again, the messages are to the remnant who, who think they're all right, but are actually struggling a little bit. So they needed a reminder of the coming Messiah to awake them from this lazy posture that they're in. So let's turn our attention to verses 2 through 5 of chapter 1. And I want you to notice right off the bat what God is doing through Malachi here. We're in the second verse of the entire book. And what is he already going to do? He's going to remind us of his covenantal love. He's going to remind us of his faithfulness. This is what he says. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Again, that's one of those question and answers right there. Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals in the desert. If Edom says we are scattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says that they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country, and the people of whom the Lord is angry forever. Your eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. So again, right off the bat, Malachi's first words to them are, You are God's people. You're not of Esau. You're of Jacob. God's beloved. God's chosen ones. So again, there's that invitation right off the bat to remember all the amazing things that God has done for them to this point. He wastes no time in reminding them through this first exchange that God loves you. God cares for you. And how has he done that? He was committed to Jacob, not as Esau, just as he's promised so many times throughout the Scriptures. His faithfulness on God's part calls these people to worship him faithfully. So I'm going to invite Caroline up to read verses 6 to 9. And I want us to look at a specific one of these exchanges. And it, it deals with the sacrifices that the priests were making. And then this is going to tie into chapter 3 when he talks about the Messiah. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I'm a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Awesome. Thank you. This next exchange, right, is where we see God's revealing to them their underlying issues. Okay? So the priests, they were to make sacrifices for the people. As Joshua mentioned last week, as went with the priests, so went with the people. So when the priests are the ones making the mistakes, the people are going to follow because those are their leaders. And what the priests were doing, instead of bringing the best of their animals for sacrifices, they were bringing the ones that were sick. They were bringing the ones that were blind. They were bringing the ones that were lame. They were bringing the ones that weren't worthy of actually making a sacrifice. And what is that saying? Yeah, exactly. They're not giving God what He deserves. They're giving Him the leftovers. They're giving Him the weak animal. 
they're giving the worst. And, and they have the nerve to say, well, well, Lord, how have we despised your name? How have we dishonored you? And what is his answer? You keep bringing me these lame sacrifices. That's how you've dishonored me. That's how you've despised my name. You bring this polluted food on my altar, as he says in verse 7. Okay? As if they couldn't tell what he was talking about. So God reminds them, again, that they were bringing blind, lame, sick animals. Leviticus 22.22 22 tells us, Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give him as a food offering on their altar. So they knew that they weren't supposed to do this. Like It was clear from, from the law that they weren't supposed to do this. He made it clear that offering bad sacrifices is not acceptable. If you go back to our opening illustration, okay, this would be like you telling your parents that you're going to clean your bathroom. So you take a towel and you scrub off the toilet. Okay, then you proceed to use that same towel to start wiping down the counters and the tub and maybe your toothbrush. Okay? You clean the whole bathroom with this dirty towel, right? That's exactly what is happening when they're giving these sacrifices. They're saying, yes, we did it. We did the sacrifice. Don't you like our sacrifice, God? And God says, no, because it is not honoring to me. Okay? You don't clean a bathroom with a dirty rag and you don't give bad sacrifices to God. And right after that Leviticus passage where he tells them not to give these bad sacrifices, this is the next verse. It says, and you shall not profane my holy name that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you and who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am your Lord. So even in the midst of him telling the people, don't make these bad sacrifices, there's again this reminder that he is a covenantal God who loves his people and is drawing them into true worship of him. So when we get to verse 10 in Malachi 1, it says, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. God's response is essentially pleading for the, at least one person right, to stand up and say, enough is enough. We have to stop giving these bad sacrifices. We can't put up with this nonsense anymore. We need to return our hearts back to true worship. And this is, this is clear. If you look in verse 11, it says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name. And a pure offering from my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Again, he's saying, look, this is what worship is about. It's about bringing honor to my name, not to yours. It's about bringing true sacrifices to me, not something that's convenient for you. Again, all these sacrifices were being done by the priests and as the spiritual leaders, they were leading their people into laziness. And that's a great danger for us as well. If we're not careful with the way that we use our lives, we too can be lazy in these ways. But God is always reminding us of who He is. He's always reminding us of what He's done so that we can look at the way that we do things, look at the way that our lives are a lame sacrifice or a lazy sacrifice and, and actually draw us back to true worship. I want you to think about the way that your life actually reflects the work that God has done in you. Okay? Think about that. And if you can't think about that, that's okay. But I want you to at least start to process what would it look like for your life to be a living sacrifice as the Scriptures call us to be. Okay? These were God's people. He had drawn them out of slavery. He had called them out of their plight. And they, he has saved them and He has shown Himself Merciful and great and wonderful time and time again. And he's saying, please, come back. 
Come back and honor me the way that you were made to do. So as we get to chapter 3, I'm going to invite Christopher up to read verses 1 to 5 from chapter 3. So in the midst of all the calling out of their sin, calling out of their laziness, he actually presents to them a beautiful picture of a messenger who's going to come and make things right. So chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before you. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourners, and do not fear me, says the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Christopher. So in God's grace, he's actually going to provide for them the very thing that they need in order to get out of this laziness. Okay? He's saying, look, there's a messenger coming. There's someone coming who's going to clear the way and show you what true worship is. And there's actually a play on words here. Because remember what Malachi's name means. What does it mean? My messenger. And Malachi, speaking on behalf of the Lord, it says, Behold, I send my messenger. Is he talking about himself? Who do you think he's talking about? There's definitely a clear connection to Jesus here, but there's actually also a picture to John the Baptist here as well. Okay, John the Baptist was called to come and to clear out any distraction so that the people could clearly see that Jesus was the one to worship. Isaiah 40 says that there's a messenger who's going to come and he's going to raise the valleys and lower the mountains and make the crooked places a plain. And the purpose of that is to take out every single distraction so that people can look at Jesus and say, He's here. He's here. They won't get distracted by all the other things. So as Malachi does this and as John the Baptist does this, this is such a, a beautiful, clear picture of the way that God loves us. He says, I'm coming. And I'm going to help you. This messenger here. Malachi is sharing this message from God to the people and he has the same goal as John the Baptist did. That all the attention would not be on him not me as the messenger, but the message that I'm actually speaking about. I'm speaking about God. I'm speaking about Jesus. Okay? The message is that someone is coming. If you look at verse 3, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver and they will bring offerings of righteousness to the Lord. And in verse 2, it talks about how He's going to be like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Okay? Do you know how Precious metals are made. They get heated up. And when they get heated up, they actually loosen up the impurities that are in the metal and those float to the top. So they can separate the impurities inside the metal and leave it with just the pure, good, solid metal. And then it cools down and it's stronger and it's better. Okay? It's not brittle. That's exactly what Jesus does for us with our sin. He works out that which is impure in us. His desire is to see those things rise away from us that we may grow closer to Him. Okay? When he talks about this fuller's soap, I bet you have no clue what a fuller is. I had to look it up. Okay, a fuller was somebody who essentially worked with cloth. Okay? When it talks about the fuller's soap, what does soap do when you have stains on your clothes? It washes it. 
It removes the stains. The message that this messenger is bringing, the person that this messenger is talking about, he's going to come and he's going to provide the very cleansing that all of us need. The cleansing from our deepest, darkest sins and the sins of just our blatant laziness when it comes to the Christian faith. He's going to cover all that. He's going to work with all that. So Jesus would come to wash away sins. I want you to think about this. How good is your memory? Dory. Dory level. Okay. Do you walk in a room and forget why you came there in the first place? Have you ever done that? Okay. I do that just about every day. Okay. When you have kids, it gets worse. But human beings, so we have this amazing ability to forget the things that are most important to us. We have this amazing ability to forget the thing that we were just doing a second ago and why we were doing it. Okay. You walk into the kitchen to get something and you forget why you went there. Or you... Yes. Yeah, 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 I, do. I like opening the fridge just to be reassured that there's food in there. Okay, we struggle to retain information, and we have such small attention spans, which is why we need these reminders over and over in the scriptures. Which is why we need to be reminded who God is and what He's done, because we forget. Naturally, we as sinners we forget all the time. Okay? And just as these hearers of this message were giving up these lame sacrifices and empty worship, we too can do the same, and we need a reminder to look to God and say He's worthy of our true worship. He's worthy of our sacrifice. He's worthy of our praise. Okay, Malachi and John the Baptist, they were messengers pointing us to Jesus. As we read these scriptures, as we conclude this series, let us be again reminded again of all the things that God has been teaching us throughout history. And all of it has been about who? It's been about Jesus. Everything. All the, the minor prophets have been pointing us towards Christ. Uh, again, in verse 3, he'll sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. And how does he do this? Look in verse 4. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in the former years. God's desire is to draw you into right worship with him. That's his goal. You know, he wants your life to be a pleasing aroma to him. And you and I need daily reminders of who the object of our worship is. And the object of our worship is Christ. That's who we worship. Okay? And the beautiful thing is that Jesus actually loves to do this work of reminding us. He doesn't get annoyed with us and say, why did you forget again, Hannah? Why can't you just remember? Or Grayton, how did you forget already? No, he doesn't do that. He gently and graciously keeps pursuing us, showing us his love, showing us his mercy, even though we don't deserve it. And he's done all that for us so we can worship him well. So we're going to spend time unpacking that a little bit in small groups. So let us pray, and then we'll break up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the message of all these minor prophets, that they point us towards you. Pray that you would work in us that which is pleasing in your sight, and help us to glorify you in all that we do. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.